0: Good morning, welcome to our service this morning. We're glad you're here. We hope you had a good Christmas. And it's, I know it's hard to think of this year as a Merry Christmas, but I hope you had a celebration of the birth of Jesus, that you felt his presence, and that you had a sense of joy in his presence this Christmas. We're finishing our Advent series today because Christmas is here. And we do realize that Advent officially ended last Sunday before Christmas, and we kind of got a late start, and so we're finishing a week late, but that's okay. Because really, in a way, Advent is still here. Yes, Christmas and the birth of the baby is past, but Jesus is coming again as King. And we really live between the two comings of Jesus in an ongoing season of Advent. We live in preparation for the coming of the King again. As Matt said, Even the Christmas song, Joy to the World, is really a song about preparing our hearts for the second coming of Jesus. So we live in this kingdom reality, waiting for the King to come again. And in a couple minutes, we're going to light the Advent candles, the candles of hope, love, peace, and joy. And today we're looking at joy, which is kind of an elusive feeling this year. We've had disease and pandemic, political upheaval. We might feel sad or stressed or just not feel a sense of joy this year. It's a struggle to feel joy. We know it's Christmas. We know Jesus is coming again. We know he's not done yet and that he's at work in our world. But still, it's a struggle to feel joy this year. Last October, I went to visit my daughter Tracy and her family in Atlanta. And whenever I go to Atlanta, we always go hiking on the weekend. Tracy lives near a major river. There's lakes, there's trees, there's hiking trails and hills and mountains, and it's just beautiful. And this time when I was there, it was thunderstorm weather. And the weather in Atlanta can change on a dime, but Tracy was checking the weather radar, and it wasn't supposed to rain until the evening, so we went hiking. And as usual, I lagged behind. They're younger and stronger, and I'm huffing and puffing, trying to catch my breath. We're going up and down hills and climbing through twisty trails. And when I looked at my app after we were done, it had said we had gone up 19 stories. So you can see that we were just going up and down a lot. But about halfway through, and this was about a four or five mile hike, about halfway through, the sky got really dark, and we started to hear thunder off in the distance. Tracy checked the weather app again and she saw that it was going to rain. So they have a couple of rain jackets in the baby backpack and we pulled those out. Will graciously let me wear his. We snapped the rain hood on Emily's backpack and we started walking back as fast as we could. We were in a downpour, it just started to rain. And the trail filled with about four to six inches of water. We tried to walk on the edge of the trail but a lot of the times we were just sloshing through the water. And we were moving as fast as we could. I have ankle problems, so I have to watch the ground and make sure I don't step on anything and roll my ankle. But I'm watching the ground, moving as fast as I can, trying to keep an eye on Tracy's ankles so that you know, I don't veer off in the wrong direction. And I realized that I wasn't tired at all. All the way back, we went as fast as we could. I didn't need to stop. I wasn't huffing and puffing or breathing hard. And I realized that the adrenaline had kicked in. And adrenaline is the fight-or-flight hormone. It's in us, and it comes up in stress or danger or exciting situations so that we have energy to react. Something inside us wells up. It just comes up. It's inside us. And most of the time, we don't even notice it, but it's there. And joy is a little like that. Adrenaline is in our physical body. It's how we're wired physically, and it's triggered by stress or danger. And joy is in us spiritually. It's in our spirit. It's how we're wired spiritually. And it's triggered by things like Christmas, music, bright lights, and happy sounds. This year was different, but we can still have joy. And especially at Advent, joy can well up inside us. Each week, we've been lighting the Advent candles. It kind of quiets our hearts and allows us to invite Jesus in. They're symbols of Jesus' presence with us at Christmas. So we're going to light the candles now, and you can light yours with me. We're going to light all four of them, and as we think about joy this morning, let's invite Jesus in to bring hope, love, peace, and joy to our Advent. So join with me, and let's light the candles. First, the hope candle. And like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can have hope because Jesus came to restore our broken world. And then the love candle. And like the Apostle John, we are the ones God loves because of Jesus. And then the peace candle. And like Mary, we can have peace as we treasure what God has done in us. And then the joy candle. And like the shepherds and all the people, we can have joy because Jesus came. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here. Thank you that because of you we have hope, love, peace, and joy And we long for that sense of joy when life is hard and when we're struggling and when it's hard to find joy. And so we ask you to come this morning and to fill us with a sense of joy, to help us to see where joy comes from and how we can have joy in you. We thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read our passage for this morning, starting in Luke 2, starting in verse 8. you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The angel told them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And this joy was for the shepherds, but not just for them. It was for all the people. And today we'll look at the joy for the shepherds, for all the people, and what that means for us. So first, let's think about the shepherds. They heard the news, and they left the sheep to go see the baby. They returned, glorifying and praising God, and they were filled with joy. And shepherds were really poor people. They were peasants the lower class. They were unimportant nobodies. But God chose them to be the ones to receive the good news that the Savior had come. They were chosen. They were special. And they felt special, maybe for the first time in their entire lives. God had chosen them, even though they were the underclass, the kind of people nobody else even noticed. But God noticed them. God chose them. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 16, God is given the name, the God who sees. He's given this name by a runaway slave girl who was alone and abandoned in the desert. And God provides for her, he comes to her. And in Genesis 16, 13, she says, it says she gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. She gives God this name El Roy in Hebrew. And it means the God who sees me. And I love that name and that idea that God is the God who sees us. When we feel unimportant, unnoticed, when we feel like nobody cares, God does. God sees us. He saw a runaway slave girl in the desert. He saw these poor shepherds on a hillside. And he sees you. And whatever you're going through and whatever you're feeling, if you're feeling sad or lonely or isolated, or if you're feeling like nobody really notices or cares about you, God does. He's a personal God. He knows every one of us, and he notices. He sees us. He cares for us. He blesses us. And he sees you, too. But the angel's announcement to the shepherds was not their only reason for joy. It was joy for the shepherds, but it was also joy for all the people. And when the angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Lord, the Messiah. Those words sent a chill through every Jewish person who heard or read them. This was good news. They had been waiting for the Messiah for generations. And God saw them. God remembered his people and remembered his promise to them. Those promises were given to to Abraham back in Genesis 12, the covenant promises where God called his people. And he promised Abraham that he and his descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. And then God restated and renewed that promise with David, King David. And he promised that the Davidic kingdom, kingdom would be established forever that David's throne would last forever. God was going to deal with the problem of sin. God was going to restore and revive his kingdom and restore his creation intent for goodness and wholeness under his reign as king. He stepped into the world by giving this promise to Abraham, then to David, then to the prophets Isaiah and Micah and all the prophets through Malachi, through the Old Testament. And then for 400 years, there were no more promises, no more blessings, no more words from God. And the people of Israel clung to those promises through all the generations that came and went for 400 years in the darkness, in exile and captivity, in defeat, in war, in oppression under foreign empires. They clung to those promises and they believed that a Messiah would come. They believed by faith that the king would come and that God would fulfill his promises. It must have seemed like God had forgotten them, but they believed by faith, and they clung to the Torah, God's word, and tried to live according to God's word. They waited for the Messiah to come, to restore them, to revive his kingdom, to rule and reign on earth as king. And their joy was the certainty an anticipation that the Messiah, the king, would come. And God remembered his people. and God remembered his covenant promise. And the joy of all the people was the coming of the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And you can see that faith-filled joy throughout the Christmas narratives. All the people believed that God had come to rescue them personally and as a people. Zechariah and Elizabeth rejoiced not just because God gave them a baby, but they rejoiced for all the people. In Luke 1, 68, Zechariah says, "'Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, "'because he has come to his people and redeemed them.'" Mary, the mother of Jesus, saying, "'He has helped his servant Israel, "'remembering to be merciful to Abraham "'and to his descendants forever, "'just as he promised his ancestors.'" Luke also tells about Simeon in Luke 2, an old man who was waiting for the Messiah. And when he saw Jesus in the temple, he said, For my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And an old woman, a prophet named Anna, who worshipped in the temple every day, rejoiced. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And all these people were filled with joy at the expectation of a Savior, and then at the fulfillment of that expectation when Jesus came. And in the coming of the Savior, Jesus himself stepped into history. He stepped into a world to fulfill the covenant promise to redeem and restore the world. And they rejoiced that the King had come. Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God was here, even though it wasn't the kind of kingdom, the political kingdom that they expected. And he taught and preached with authority about what the kingdom was like. He ate with sinners, prostitutes, prostitutes, and tax collectors. He touched lepers, welcomed children, and he elevated women and the poor. He gave status to people who had no standing in in society. And he did miracles. He healed diseases. He forgave sins. And people were amazed and followed him. He talked about the heart, about banquets and parties. And he turned water into wine. His kingdom was one of love, justice, peace, and joy. And he's not done yet. Jesus came into the world at that first Christmas, and we can choose to live with him as king, too. Do you remember almost a year ago when we talked about God wearing the big crown, that God created mankind, humanity, to rule over some things and to wear the little crown, but to allow God to reign in our lives and in the world, to allow God to wear the big crown. And when we do that, when we believe that Jesus is Lord and we allow him to reign as king in our lives, to wear the big crown, we can have joy as we follow him, trust him, Allow him to be king in his kingdom. We can have joy, and joy feels good. It feels happy, but it's not quite the same as feeling happy. My small group recently did a study called What Makes You Happy and It's Not What You Think It Is because we think things will make us happy. We think the things we get will make us happy, and they do for a while, but it doesn't last. That kind of happy is a fleeting feeling. We think money will make us happy, and it does, for a while. But then we always need more, it's not enough. We think new things, like a new phone, or a new car, or a new toy will make us happy. But then we think about the options we should have got, or the other phone, or the other car we should have got. And that happy feeling doesn't last. We feel happy when We win the game, but then we have to win the next one, too. And the small group study we did concluded that the only thing that really makes us happy is to give and serve others. And it's true that giving, serving, doing good for others does make us feel happy. But even that doesn't last. It's dependent on circumstances, on things that happen outside us. Feeling happy comes and goes and we don't always, it doesn't last and because right now our lives have been upended by the pandemic, it's hard to feel happy. A lot of the circumstances around us aren't happening the way we want them to. The holiday season didn't feel as joyful because we couldn't have those big family gatherings. If you like shopping, You had to think about what was safe and probably did a lot of it online. And we actually miss going to church. We miss seeing our friends talking and laughing and catching up with people and, and worshiping together. And right now, joy is elusive. Joy is challenging. It might be a struggle, and you might even feel a little offended that I'm telling you to have joy under these circumstances. And I get that. I have felt sad. Grief, loss, boredom, loneliness, worry, fear, uncertainty, all of those things in the last several months. I've spent weeks trying to figure out how to make you safe, feeling stressed and worried about how we will come back together, and then weeks feeling lost and helpless when everything shut down. And that's happened repeatedly. And we've all had those kinds of ups and downs in these last several months. Can we still have joy? Yes. Because joy is bigger and deeper than just happy feelings. Joy can feel good. It does have happy feelings a lot of times. But happiness is shallow. It's on the surface. It comes and goes. And joy is deeper. It comes from inside us. It's a condition or state of being. It's affected by circumstances and what's going on in our lives but not completely dependent on it. Our capacity for joy is influenced by circumstances and also by personality, temperament, upbringing, past experience, and by faith. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Romans 15:13 says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him." And Galatians 5:22, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. See, joy is available to us, who love Jesus, who put our faith in Jesus? who live with Jesus, who have the spirit in us because Jesus came. The Bible tells us to rejoice and to consider it joy when we face trials because sometimes we have to choose joy. We have to intentionally choose to think about Jesus, to know his presence when we're not really feeling it. And we choose to rejoice, to give thanks, to praise God. We choose to cultivate gratitude towards God because that's how joy grows and we have joy because Jesus is in us the Spirit is in us we can access and cultivate joy in relationship to God we do it when we worship when we pray and really listen for God's voice of love when we read the Bible and think about God who he is and what he's done for us and we have joy when we gather in community and care for one another even when it's on Zoom, and we're socially distanced. And when we do those things, our sense of God's presence is elevated, and our problems become less overwhelming. We realize that God is bigger than whatever's going on in our world. And we might feel hurt, angry, isolated, sad, stressed. And those are real feelings. We we can acknowledge them, identify them, deal with them, and bring them to God, because we know that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. God is all good, and we can have faith that God is in control, and we can trust him. Dallas Willard said, joy is not pleasure. It's not a mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. Faith, hope, peace love, joy, these are not just feelings. They are conditions involving every part of an individual's life. They do, however, have feelings that accompany them. And these positive feelings abundantly characterize those living in the presence of God. Joy is pervasive. It's a constant sense of well-being. And we can have joy when we have a sense that God is with us, when we live in the presence of God, when we know that God is here, and we live as though he is here with us. Jesus came. He died and rose again so that we could be loved and forgiven and be in a relationship with God. We could be empowered by God. And God himself, with all his power and strength, is with us. The Spirit with all his comfort and peace, is in us. Jesus came, lived among us, and he's coming again to reign as king. He's here now, and he's coming again, and we can know him. On that same trip to Atlanta last October, when we went hiking in the rain, a few days later, we had a power outage for three days, three full days. It was 77 hours with no power. And we had been warned the day before that the tropical storm from Hurricane Zeta was coming through. There would be up to 70 mile per hour winds. We were warned that trees would fall and there would be power outages. So we slept downstairs instead of in the upstairs bedrooms. And when we woke up, power was out for about a million people in the Atlanta area plus the rest of northern Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama. There were power outages everywhere. And over the next three days, power was restored to most of those areas. And we were among the last. During that time, Tracy and Will had to go to the office for the first time in eight months because there was power in the downtown area, and they had Zoom meetings and work that had to get done, and we had no internet. We ate a lot of food. We threw some away and then we took some to Will's parents' house when their power was restored after the first day. We used camping lanterns and flashlights when it got dark. We wore layers of clothes because it got cold. We cooked on the grill and also using a lighter to ignite the gas stove. And we managed. We could have fun. We could laugh and play. We could roast marshmallows on the grill and slurp melted ice cream out of the cartons because we knew that the power would come back. We knew things would be okay eventually. And for me, it was really kind of fun because it wasn't up to me. It wasn't my house. I didn't have any decisions to make. Most of the time I played with Emily and just enjoyed that while they tried to figure things out. I didn't have to make any decisions. I could just rely on Tracy and Will and their provision of light, batteries, food, extra blankets. I could just trust them to take care of everything. And for me, it was okay. It was kind of fun, because it wasn't up to me. And I knew it was temporary, it would be okay. And a lot of things can affect our feelings of joy. But knowing that things are under control, that someone is taking care of things, goes a long way. And we know the one who is in control knowing that god is sovereign that god is all-powerful all-knowing all good and trusting him with our lives is what brings us joy it's the foundation of joy and i can have peace and joy i can feel safe and secure because i know that god cares for me that god sees me he provides for me that he is in control he's not surprised and he will make all things right. Joy is the pervasive sense of well-being that comes from living in the presence of God. It's the pervasive sense of well-being that comes from living in the presence of God. And when we really think about who God is and what he's done for us, joy grows. And I think many of you have those experiences of joy. You have joy when you're focused on God's love and grace, when you worship him with all your heart. You can have joy when you worship and sing, or when you make a connection with someone, or when you suddenly see an answer to prayer. Joy grows. And it grows when we have that sense of God's provision, of God's presence, of God's care, that he is with us all the time. Sometimes that takes effort because we normally think of Jesus as out there or up in heaven or somewhere else. And we have to choose to intentionally think about him being present with us. And we have joy when that kingdom reality becomes our reality when we're aware that God is with us, that the king and all his power, strength, goodness, love, that he is present with us. Joy is the pervasive sense of well-being that comes from being in the presence of God and we have joy when we live as though God really is here with us now. We live by faith that Jesus came to restore this broken world, that he's here now and that he's coming again to rule as king on earth and to make everything right. And we live in this between time of the kingdom. This age where Jesus has come at that first Christmas. And then he's coming again to rule on earth as king. And we look back on his faithfulness to God's covenant. We look back at the cross, at Jesus's sacrificial love and forgiveness for us. And we look back with gratitude and joy but we also look forward to his coming to restore to actually restore his kingdom to restore this broken world to deal with sin and to rule on earth in peace and joy as king and we can live in this kingdom reality with joy because we know that Jesus has come that he's here now and that he's coming again to rule on earth as king. We can have joy because of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you came. And even though for us right now, sometimes it's hard to have joy, sometimes we don't really feel happy, we thank you that you're here that you bring joy to our hearts when we're aware of your presence, when we think about you, when we worship you, when we spend time in your presence, we can have hope, love, peace, joy. Help us to live in your presence, to be aware of your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we can choose joy, that we can praise you and worship you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.